Another great episode of Mystery of Parenthood coming up. If you like what you hear, go to redsearadio.org, click on the donate button, and become a monthly sustaining member. Please support us. Thank you, and God bless. All right. You know what that means. It means you're listening to The Mystery of Parenthood. Uh, And before we get started, we'll start with our prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord God, from you, every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, Granted, every family on earth may become for each successive generation a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. Grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the Church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in the family and through the family. We ask this of you, who is life, truth, and love with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy Family of Nazareth, pray for us. St. John Paul II, pray for us. St. Michael the Archangel, pray for us. And the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's warming up, man. I got a little, I got a little sweat going here. Oh so, boy! Yeah, too much information there, yeah, folks. No, I'm telling you, you know, it's it's been nice and cool for it seems like a few months, mm-hmm. but uh, those days are over. Texas summer coming That's early. Right. Here think, it comes. Huh? Yeah, I live in the wrong. Pl- I mean, I born and raised in Texas, and I, I well, I'm supposed to be here, but anyway, I'll offer it up. I believe I believe it was. Uh, William Tecumseh Sherman, after the Civil War, when he was sent west to be the commander of the Western Department, um, he was told, he was a, he was a general, uh, and he said after being stationed in Texas for a few months, I think something along the lines of, um, if, I, if I could, uh, if I had to choose between hell and Texas, I would uh, run out Texas and live in hell because of the... <laughs> Because the heat was so bad, something worked that effect. Oh wow! Oh man, I I love Texas, but goodness gracious, it does get hot and it stays hot longer than uh, longer than it cool. It stays cool. So, uh, my you know, especially when my sweet spot personally is like in the you know upper forties, lower fifties to upper sixties, lower seventies, mm-hmm. which means is is a grand total of. You have you know, a very small so, amount of time. So I really appreciate where them, you're enjoying those. I those appreciate them though, but uh, and it's the humidity, you know, like that's that's yeah. A big well, I, part and I'd say it. I grew up in Houston, which makes this look like it's mm. Colorado. Mm. In well, terms of, I'm not from Colorado, Colorado no, and I'll say it's not. And true. I always appreciate. No, I know, but it feels. <laughs> I mean, I, I know it's it's even worse down there, but right. Anyway, so. Yep. Good place to grow things. Uh, nice segue because I think we're going to talk about John 15, fifteen. I can't believe uh, how good our how uh, how our vegetables are doing. Holy this year. moly! I mean, ours. I mean, I, I, nothing's. But the but the plants are. We're starting to get through. some some tiny tiny baby zucchinis growing. Oh, nice! We got we, some. Blo- we have some tons of blossoms on our cucumbers. Oh, and, that's a good sign. And our uh, mm-hmm. and our tomatoes. Y'all do pickles? So, Y'all make, make pickles? Um, haven't. But so you just we use might. cucumbers and I don't know. I like cucumbers. Or Ste- Stephanie does something with cucumbers, tomatoes, and onions, and yeah. like my mom made a salad or like something that. like mm-hmm. that. It's delicious. Know. Oh, I love it. But anyway, hopefully it, the birds don't get to it, and or the squirrels, or the squirrels. The good news is, is we, we didn't plant a garden. We 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 put them in pots, mm. and and uh, but they they look very healthy right now. Yeah, they so, do. And um, uh, but like you said, those hot temperatures are coming. Got to. Pay attention to make sure you're giving them enough water, not getting too much sun. Yeah. So the good news is we can we can move them if mm-hmm. we need to. So mm-hmm. 
But but it does speak to the fact of you know bearing fruit and yes, uh, and I think that so. um, I think it's good to it, well actually that's my uh, John fifteen is one of my favorite say, you know if I had to pick a chapter in the Bible it's one of my favorites in fact in my office is fifteen five which is I am the vine you are the branches he who abides in me and I in him or remains I think is what the translation that my friend got but been put on this um thing that's in our in my office um he who abides in me and i in him he it is that bears much fruit for apart from me you can do nothing and i think i think what i what i think is worth talking about is what does it mean to abide and i'm going to read this whole one through eight um and go through it but but with the with the focus on um I guess the two aspects of what it is to be Catholic um, with regard to an understanding of, of grace and an understanding of um, what we have to do, <laughs> um, that there is something. And that when those things collide, when we're open to God's grace and that when we're, um, when we respond to God's grace, that fruit um occurs. So and we'll do it specifically to things that we can do individually and as and collectively as a family in terms of practical things. So for some this may be a, a basic one, but um here we go. So <laughs> let me start by reading uh I'm gonna do John fifteen one through eight. Um actually you know I'm gonna I'm gonna go all the way to eleven. So let me read this. Um so this is Jesus speaking. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch of mine that bears no fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already made clean by the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If a man does not abide in me, he is cast forth as a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will and it shall be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Very hopeful words, but there's, there, there are a few things in there, I think, that are, that are worth, that speak to kind of life, in general, from a Catholic perspective, um, you know, to be found in Christ is is essential. And so, uh, you know, as we've, we've talked about before, um, one of the issues is how do I abide in him? Well, there at the end, one of the things that he says is that, you know, if you keep my commandments, uh, you will abide in my love. And, and just before that, he said, you know, um, he he said uh, he makes reference to if you abide in my love, then you abide in me, and if you abide in me, then you'll bear much fruit. So, um, anyway, I I think that that's a good starting point. I think particularly if you're growing something, it's a good thing to I, that. One of the things that we would do if when we were homeschooling, or even during the summer, if you do have plants, um, to just go see, um, allow the kids to experience what. What kind of what he's talking about here? I mean, uh, it, whether it's a vine or a, I guess kind of cucumbers are kind of like a vine, sorta. Um, they act like a vine. Um, tomatoes maybe not so much, but um, but I think any anything um, that kind of points us to that, those are a good things to think about. So it's worth. I think one thing you could do is you could put your kids in front of it, read this to them, and then and then have them just think about what does that mean and what does it mean for me so um i think it's a good exercise maybe with a journal uh during even a prayer time to 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 look at that um so using something tangible for them to be able to 
to be able to do that. Um, hey, I had a question before we go on to, um, you know, more things more properly, uh, parenting, family, um, vine and branches. When you're talking about uh, ecclesiology, so the the structure of the the church, right? Um, it, it's important there to remember that he's speaking to his disciples, right? He's right. not talking to just the crowds or, right. I mean, he's even more, he's speaking to his apostles there, right. correct? Not yeah. just, to, not even his disciples, much less the crowds. So that's important for understanding. Is that a, is that a passage that has to do with the hierarchical nature and, and the need and, and the need for Christians to remain connected to the church that he's establishing through well, certainly I think the disciple, with, through the apostles. Certainly, I think that that the um, that it's reasonable to go there. Um, I think that lots of times, you know, the concreteness with which he's giving something, something that even today you could go see a vine growing and and see what happens to to branches that are disconnected from the vine. The vine is attached to something real and it's and it's where all the nutrients are coming from the the branches are attached to that and so if they but the fruit comes from those branches so i think i mean in a concrete sense there's something you've got to be attached to you're not out there by yourself i think the interesting thing is is there are other branches attached to it so it, it kind of feeds off the idea of the of the body I think the real issue is, is what does it mean to abide in him or to be one of his branches or be connected to his vine? Because ultimately, what, what does it mean for me to abide in him and him to abide in me? And from a Catholic perspective, we would say, well, the, at the very heart of what he left is, is the Eucharist himself. So we actually, he does abide in us. <laughs> And we, through the offering, particularly of the Mass, you know, if you think about what, what happens, we're, it's, it's, we're offering the sacrifice of Christ to God the Father, but then we're, we're also placing ourselves and our works and what we've done on that, our, our entire being, we should be putting it on that patent. And so when the, when the, when the church is one of the things I think it's always important to think about every time at Mass— or after the consecration, um, you'll you'll hear you know through him, with him, and in him, all glory and honor is yours, Almighty Father, forever and ever. It even points back: How do you glorify the Father through through your fruits? Well, your fruits come from abiding in Him, so you have to be found in Him, through Him, with Him, and in Him, very much <laughs> like a vine that offering is being made. So to be connected with that, the, the, the center of that is going to be the Eucharist. Well, where do we get the Eucharist? We have no church without the Eucharist and we have no Eucharist without the church. So, mm-hmm. you know, there, there, you can quickly get to where you were going, that there's some concrete um, way of knowing whether you're in him or not. Um, obviously God's not bound by what he's revealed. I mean, so there are people who may not be connected with the church that would, would somehow be, have been grafted on or whatever through their, through their belief. But that's not, not near the question. The question is fully, what, what is he, what is he, what's his plan? What has he revealed? And he established his church for the purpose of us being found in him and him being found in us, so to speak. So mm-hmm. is that yeah, kind of close that. to it? I mean, I think that... That's a good answer to my, my query. The, mo- the most, I mean, so that connection. So the Eucharist is the of all sacraments. It's the source and summit from which all the other sacraments flow because it is Jesus himself that is made present. That's right. In, in, in that. And then he makes himself present through the others, through the other six sacraments. But it's it's still tied to foundationally. That is the perfect 
representation of the once for all offering of Christ on the cross for the sake of our salvation and our sanctification and our very lives. So right. um, anyway, right. Right. so so as a good Catholic parent, we've talked about this before, we don't have to spend much time on it, but, but the Mass should be central um, <laughs> to your family life. Uh, it should be something that um, the kids know that's where we go on Sundays. You know, the, the, the children know um, e- even why to talk to them about this. I mean, how do you remain in Christ? If you read John, if you read Paul's, it, it's all being in Christ. Well, how are you, how can you be found in Christ? Um, and, and those are, I mean, first and foremost, be that's why I've spent so much time over all these years saying that to be Catholic is to understand what a sacrament is <laughs> because sacraments are the objective means by which God definitive. I mean, definitively we can know objectively that God is providing grace to us. So I think maybe that's a good place to start. That's, that's what we gained from. So like the vine is connected to the, to the ground and it's mm-hmm. growing and it's receiving all these nutrients. And then those nutrients are passing through the vine to the branches. And then interestingly enough, great image. Of course, if, if it's God's image, it's a perfect image. Um, not, not necessarily an exact image. I mean, everything falls short of what, what he does, but, but that, that view of, you know, the beautiful fruit is, is, is attached, attached to the branch, you know, and that shows that the vine is healthy. And so, but kind of the glory of the, which is, would be the fruit, if, especially if it's a good tomato. I love fresh tomatoes, but I digress. But, but it's kind of attached to that, you know, that little section that is the vine coming off of it or the branch coming off of that. But we all know that if you cut that that off prior to the fruit being there, then it nothing's going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's over. So, mm-hmm. so at least in part first, how do you, how do you stay attached? So we've kind of already hinted at it or maybe totally uh, the understanding the sacrament as being the means of God's grace. It's, it's a, a participation in God's very life. It's a, it's a gift given to us that empowers us. It's not just so it's very important for us to tell her it's not just a, a covering. It's unmerited. We didn't do anything. The branch didn't do anything by itself. It did it because it's connected to the vine. So it's unmerited and it's pure gift. But um, we have to respond to it, right? We have to do what we're, what we're meant to do. Right. So first and foremost, to, to abide in him an understanding of sacraments as an outward sign, a visible sign of an invisible reality given to us by Christ, instituted by Christ as an institution um, to confer grace. And then understanding that grace is more, it is absolutely, you can say amen to anybody who says that grace, the definition of grace is an unmerited gift. Amen. But what does grace do? And grace provides us with a participation in the very life of God. That's why it's important um, for us to understand that we have to remain connected to that source as best we can. So how do we do that? Well, first off, frequent reception of the Eucharist, at least the minimum frequent. So again, I think John, I mean, not um, St. Francis de Sales, I believe talks about, how grace and sin interact and that, that, that if grace is um, oil, I mean, is, is water and say the sin is oil, they they don't, they don't go well together. I mean, they they don't actually mix. (laughs) They'll stay separated. And the more one's filled with, I think he uses the word, the vainglory of sin, the less water, the less, grace there is for somebody. So it's important to remember that the sacrament of reconciliation and penance 
an objective means by which we remove by by confessing our sins, having true confession, true contrition, um, perfect or imperfect, preferably perfect, meaning I'm, I'm sorry because I'm out of love for God, mm-hmm. that, that that opens us up to receive more grace. So if it was I, like, I've done it with like a jar. If you put something in the jar and that's all these stuff that's down here, and then you try to fill that jar with water, not as much water goes in as if as would have gone in had there not been all that stuff in there. And so in a sense, and so to be full of grace, like Mary, our mother, she had no, she had no sin. She was protected from even original sin. And that shows us that, that, that grace is fully operational in her there. I mean, fully available to her. We, as, uh, human beings because we have a fallen nature are do have a lot of that stuff in there so frequently going to confession to reconciliation and penance um, is one of the ways that we can abide in him and he can more abide in us if 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 grace is that water the more we fill ourselves up with that as one professor i think told me is that, you know mortal sin is more like putting something over the cover <laughs> of the, it can't even, it can't even get in there because we've blocked, we've blocked it. Right. That's what the water is still trying to get in there. The grace is still available, but we have to remove the cover. So venial sins would be basically the, the stuff that we get attached to that, you know, good, not good, but we may, we may desire it more than we might want that what God would have for us even a little bit. Um, now, a uh, question for you. Because of our fallen human nature, because of the effects of original sin on our on our nature, so we have concupiscence, we have a tendency towards towards, towards sin. We're ne- we're never going to be free of of sin of sin on on this earth, on right? On this earth probably. Yeah. We're, we're always going to have it's so what we're trying to do is we're trying to constantly you know, minimize as much as possible our our sinful actions, right? right? And that's what we're that's what we're asking God's grace to 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 help us do. Correct? Absolutely. And I and I think you know I, I may have used this I've used this before as a former coach, but I, I think I've used it on the show. I know I've used it in other in other talks that that part of part of getting there. I, if, the story goes that there was this this great little running back that had gone that goes to high school and he's so gifted, ridiculously good feet, can run very fast, great vision, but he has a problem with fumbling. And the difference between like a JV or a freshman coach who, because he's so good, doesn't do anything but say, "Hey, um, don't fumble anymore." <laughs> um, the flip side is the the varsity coach comes and says, hey, I think you really help us. I mean, I think you can help us bear fruit as a team. But what I want you to, what I need you to do is come in here and agree with me that fumbling is not okay. In other words, that sin in this analogy is not okay. And then that coach doesn't just have him acknowledge that, but the coach says, okay, listen, now that you've acknowledged it, then we're going to work on it. And what you're, what I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to make myself available after practice and we're going to have dummies. I'm going to poke at you. I'm going to show you how to hold, hold it, how to take a tackle, make sure you change hands as you're running so that people can't get the, I'm going to, we're going to drill you on that. Not going to make you show up after practice. I'm going to be there. And if you come, then we're going to work on it. But we always have to begin with fumbling is not okay. Well, the story goes that the guy the guy starts showing up after practice. Well, he doesn't immediately after he starts working on it stop fumbling. He continues to. He still has to go back and say, "Coach, I know it's not okay. I'm showing up, and you're the grace is the coach making himself available." And then he becomes eventually. The story goes a star and they end up winning a championship as a team because he doesn't fumble anymore. Well, so that's, that I think is a great image, 
particularly for a guy who used to coach, but but sure. but I think it's a great image because what ha- that guy becomes all conference. The the team wins a championship, whatever. A lot of glory goes to the player. But who's the center of the story? Is it taken away? I mean, that's why I always say Nick Saban is not diminished by the fact that he had 17 people picked in the draft. That's actually proof (laughs) of how great a coach he is. Right. It's not a diminishment for him to be, for his players to receive glory, so to speak. Well, it's the same thing for Christ. The way he does is he lets those branches bear fruit. And it's the fact that they bear fruit in the face of the fact that everybody knows he used to fumble or he used to have this problem that God shows how great a coach he is, so to speak, how, how, how he's able to take um, sinful man. And if he cooperates, if he shows up, you know, if he, if he acknowledges how he falls short, that he becomes a saint. And that as we raise saints to be venerated, it's not diminishing God. It's actually pointing back to God and saying, look what he can do with that guy. And, and the same way as we say, look at what Nick Saban can do with that guy. And that's the way, the, that's the way Catholics view God's grace. You have to acknowledge the things that aren't in line with what makes you all you could be. But it's not just acknowledging it. It's like, I want to change and then, well, how do you do that? Well, you can't just will it because you don't have all the power. But God, unlike Nick Saban, can actually infuse, can actually give you grace that will actually raise up your, um, raise up or elevate your nature, make mm-hmm. you capable of doing things you could not do separate from his grace. I, I, I think it's a great uh, yeah. for, for you could take any sport. And that, and that guy that Trey was talking about, that running back, folks. That was Barry Sanders. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm just joking. It would be really good if that was true. But but the guy who tells the story is that that was one of the things that he was the varsity coach and 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 the freshman coach was just telling him, "Hey, don't fumble." With no extra effort on his behalf or no no context no really either like, context other than just, "Hey, don't do that." Mm-hmm. Well, you know that's like telling somebody you shouldn't do a sin that they're doing and just tell them, well, don't do that. Mm-hmm. It, that's not the way God, God pulls up alongside us. He actually enters into us to the extent we invite him in and in, in his grace being in us elevates our nature and, and, and teaches us. So it's, it's both hearing, like we talked about in evangelization and the practice of that, so to speak, the doing of it, relying on and trusting in God's power, having confidence in God's ability to change me and God's ability to make me into a saint. And and I think, you know, St. Thomas, I think it was St. Thomas Aquinas said that, you know, all you have to do to become a saint is to will (laughs) becoming a saint. I mean, you have to say, that's what I want to be. And then will it by doing the things that help that, which would be abiding in, in him which would be frequenting the sacraments, going to confession, agreeing with God. Hey, I know that's wrong. I need to stop that. Now I'm going to show up. I'm going to go to adoration. I'm going to read your word. I'm going to go to mass. I'm going to go, you know, participate in the mass. I'm going to do all those things. Just like showing up after practice. I'm going to do the things, the extra things, because you're making yourself available to me. And I'm going to trust like those players that decide to go to Alabama because they're trusting that, He's going to do something with them that's going to make them avail- able to become better than they are when they leave high school. Mm-hmm. So, are you sure he's not infusing something into those athletes down be. there? I mean, I he's got know. some pretty good athletes he, down there. He does. You know, the thing is, is he's you know he's I've a little bit. I mean, he's Catholic, and mm-hmm. and um, so is Bob Stoops. So is Vince Lombardi. So was Vince Lombardi, or is I guess Vince Lombardi. So. Mm-hmm is Don Shula, some of the greatest coaches ever. And and this is a total aside, but I think that good Christian theology understood through the Catholic lens says that there's this, this tying together. You have to bring together grace and what God gives, but it has to be worked at. It, it, it's, it is freely given, but there's something for us to do to allow God to change us. 
and he asks us to respond. So uh, that's, long that's with the outstanding. response. But, that's um, outstanding. But anyway, listen, if it's if it's a girl and she likes dance, you could take the same <laughs> you could take the same, you know, the same stuff. You know, don't you, not pointing your toes is not good, right? We can agree on that. Well then you have to work on that. Smiling while you're I mean, whatever it is, you could take the same story right. and and translate that into whatever it is that they're that they might have a familiarity with. We're, we're a football family, though. But yeah. Um, so anyway, I think that that's so frequenting the sacraments, giving them an understanding by both, you know, doing something like the vine and the branches, having them go out and just prayerfully for even five or 10 minutes, look at a plant and see how that how that all works or mm-hmm. telling a story that they can remember as a, a proper understanding of what it means mm-hmm. um, to become a saint. And then um, anyway, so. And then understanding that the sacraments are the objective means that God has provided to do that. He can provide grace all different types of ways, but we're guaranteed that's the beauty of being Catholic and a Catholic understanding. We're guaranteed that we know that God's grace is made available in those sacraments. We know if we're there objectively, it's guaranteed that his grace is there. It's not some feeling it's, it's in faith that we know that. So that's where we need to show up. Um, I, I think another one that this is a, this is a tough one. Um, every branch of mine that bears no fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So I've always, I've always been bad about that, but I, the guy that will come work on our yard, you know, he'll cut back rose bushes and stuff, and I'm like, oh my gosh, it looks bad. But inevitably, when that comes back, there's more there because of that. But if you put yourself in the place of the plant, like a like a human, to to be pruned would mean some loss, right? Comfortable where you are, it would probably be painful to have parts of you cut off. And so I think that points to some extent that how suffering that comes to us is is used um, by God to help us grow more, right? I mean, it, you're removing things. I, I think of personally, when I had my conversion, I thought my conversion was for something else. And then quickly I started realizing that, well, wow, you know, my mom's got cancer and she she dies of cancer. My dad and my relationship falls apart. And and pretty soon it's like everything that I've counted on for all these years are kind of being extract. I'm being extracted from. Mm -hmm. And, and I can look back and go that, that drew me closer to God. It was a call to draw me closer. It could have pushed me away, but, but, but it was a means by which he drew me closer by removing things that I had, you know, relied on, you know, that I had, that was where I went for encouragement. That was where, those were the people I went for whatever. And so a proper understanding of uh, that, that sometimes is pruned. The other thing is it's every branch of mine that bears no fruit, he takes away. So a little hint at the fact that even people who are united to him, if, if, if they're not abiding in him and therefore not bearing fruit, then they can be detached <laughs> from, from that. So anyway, um, I think that, I, anyway, I, th- I think that that's important to remember that suffering is always going to be a part of the human condition and that when it's accepted and, and, Put in the context of, and we've talked about this before, if a kid doesn't get what they want, you know, if they fail, I mean, on the baseball field or at whatever, a relationship, or and it hurts, you know, to, to, to have done that, we need to point them back to the fact that, hey, this could be a good. This is something that, that if we accept it as something that's come from God, that humiliation or that suffering that God can use that to change. So you're, again, you're just looking at what are they going through? And then you can take even just this verse and say, Hey, that, that, or if a friend 
goes or if you move away or whatever, that you can always put it in context that somehow God's going to use that to bring, um, to bring fruit out of it as long as we accept it and, and go forward. So, um, now, yeah. Talk about, talk a little bit more about what is that verse three? You are already pruned in my translation. You are already pruned because of the word that I spoke to you. Huh? You might has already made clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Um, you know, I don't, so th- th- that's a hopeful verse. I don't, I don't know. This is, this is, would be at best catechism in terms of my, but, but, but I, but I think that there is a sense in which when, when we have listened to his word, when we're, when we're allowing his word, allowing the word to abide in us, that we are in some sense made clean. There's always this tension in Catholic understanding, right? I mean, there's always a tension between being somewhere, but not yet. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm, I am sanctified, but I'm not all the way sanctified yet. I'm right. That's part of what you were saying earlier with regard to, with regard to that. So he, Mm -hmm. that you, that, because of original we're always sin, yeah. because of original sin, because of concupiscence, because we're we're always that there's always this struggle. Just because we struggle with those things is not necessarily mean well something wrong. Again, the point is is that that reminds us of the fact that we need a savior, right? That reminds us of um, the fact that we're not in heaven yet, right. and we want it to go away. We want those things removed from us. So I think he, I think he's just said you might be pruned or you could end up being completely detached and put together and bundled and th- cast into a fire. It, it always, you know, Jesus is always lots of times portrayed as it's all positive. There's never anything. <laughs> there's never anything that right. points to the fact that there's, you know, um, consequences for choices that we make. But here's the truth. God loves us so much that he will never, he doesn't ever want to leave us where we are. So he's always calling us to that. And that those struggles, which could be for the rest of your life, right? I mean, sometimes God can take away certain attachments and that's a grace moment, but sometimes he doesn't like Paul. What is it? First uh, Romans uh, chapter 11. I don't think it's second Corinthians Nine. I thought you were going to go to Romans chapter 11 because he's that's where he talks about the Gentiles being grafted on to oh, the yeah. root of Christ to the root. Yeah, that's another. That's another. Yeah. I mean, I've never seen how that works, but I've heard like, you know, that you can attach a an olive branch or graft a wild one onto a. Yeah, I've never tried doing it, but, but apparently you can. Do I, it. I've heard that you could do it, but I'm, I'm thinking of. Um, I think it's, I think it's nine. Um, no, here it is. You know, think about this. St. Paul, it's Second Corinthians 12. And he, he says, um, and to keep me from being too elated by the abundance of revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me and to keep me from being too elated. And three times I begged the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And then he goes on himself, Paul, I will all the more gladly boast of my weaknesses that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And so I think that points us, Paul's pointing us to the fact that there may be some things that he doesn't take from us. There may be some sufferings or other things, but we need to see them as that. I, I was just, you know, I, I'm I'm reading uh, Drew Mariani's book about divine mercy, and he uh-huh. and he points out about um, <laughs> um, Saint Faustina, and about how the, the the mother, the head mother, I guess of the of of her um, convent, the the head of it, you know, <laughs> made the comment. Well, there's she's not. There's nothing special about her, you know, and yeah. And if you look at the people that God has used, and this is good news, the people that God has used in revelations like that and throughout history 
have typically been by man's eyes, somebody who's not what we would pick, even including David. Yeah. I mean, like David is, you know, the little youngest child and, 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 you know, Samuel goes and they're, and they're going through the kids and he's like, surely this one must be, you know, he's a big, strong guy. Mm-hmm. Or prior to that, if the, the king before King Saul, you know, they picked him because he was big, because he was strong, because he did all, looked like all the human, um, what, what, what humans would say, okay, I want that guy to be my leader. Right. Or Abra- Abraham being the father of, of all the people, he's hundred and something years old before he ever has one. Yeah. Before he ever has You wouldn't expect that to be the the father of, but that's exactly right. And and I think that that points us to something that's important. He, he uses the weakness because it's, it's in us humans being able to say, okay, something extraordinary happened here because that person, (laughs) there's no way that that person could, you know, the little kids in Fatima or, or, or David, defeating Goliath, right? You know, I always love the story, you know, of David and Goliath. Again, you could point to them. I mean, he goes and he's like, you know, this battle is the Lord's. And King Saul says, here, take my, you know, take my uh, armor. And it's like too big and heavy for him. And take my sword. He can hardly pick it up. And thinking like a human, and David says, "Oh, this battle is the Lord's. I'll just—I've taken care of bears and and uh, lions and stuff, protecting my sheep with just this little sl- slingshot." And everybody thinks he's crazy, but it's exactly because it's a little boy with a slingshot and not an army of armored men that kills the great Goliath that points to God's grandeur. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important, and kids love those stories. I mean, they love those stories because it points to the fact that, that they, even in their littleness, can do great things for God if they'll just allow him to do it, right? I mean, that it's in the weakness that his power is made manifest, right? If, if everybody that was a saint was not somebody that carried with them some suffering or some, you know, sin that when the past, I mean, St. Augustine, one of the greatest ever was, was an awful sinner, um, before his, his conversion. So there's always hope, um, for a conversion and there's always, it's exactly that. I think, and I think it was St. Augustine, I think it was St. Augustine that, that actually part of the reason that he converted to and was so attached to the church itself, to the Catholic church was because he looked back at people and he said, I know, I know of those people, if God can make them a saint, basically that person who's not that strong, not that smart, not that whatever, I want to go with that God, because if he can do that with that person, if I give myself completely to him, then he can, I know I can do that because my confidence is in the God that did that with those people. Right. And I think that's an important story an important concept to share with our children best way to do it share those stories right i mean Mm -hmm. there are so many great stories that are that really happened historically (laughs) they happened um but but there are stories that kids love to read so just take those and share them with them and then point those out that you don't have to be the biggest you don't have to be the strongest you don't have to be the smartest all you have to be is faithful. Which, speaking of great historical st- stories that show God's glory and grandeur, I mean, we're recording this on May 5th, which on the old calendar is Pope St. Pius V's feast day. And oh, wow. he is the Pope who organized the Holy League against the Turkish fleet that was oh. setting up to invade Rome and capture Rome in 1571, and it defeated this much, much larger, more veteran Turkish Ottoman fleet at Lepanto. And right. So the, and and Pope Saint Pius V encouraged all of the sailors in the Holy League fleet to pray the Rosary. Yeah. And put the image of they actually had a um, copy of the 
Virgin of Guadalupe's tilma commissioned and sent from the New World to the battle fleet, and her image was displayed at at the head of the the Holy League fleet. So and I they mean, won that great victory. That's great, and and so those and that, are, really ha- that, that really that really happened. happened, right? Well, I mean, I love like Gideon's army. You know, you know, Gideon is this little guy who's in Book of Judges. Go read it. Um, you know, he God says I'm going to use you to to overcome these people who are, who are hurting my people, and he's like, okay, I'll go select an army. So he he goes and selects all these people, and he says, you know, no, no like, send, send you know a. Th- Two thirds of them away. Right, you're going to win with this small group. It's exactly in that in that weakness. Doesn't he cut it down twice or Doesn't, twice? Yeah, I think, I think it's like, yeah. It's like uh, anyway. There's stories like that that should be encouraging to us, but it also should provide us with the fact that no matter how bad it looks, no matter how bad it might seem, we are people of hope, not because of what we can do. <laughs> But what God is capable of doing for people who will trust in him mm-hmm. and who will allow him to work, that is so critical to a Catholic understanding. So we can say it's all going to hell in a handbasket or whatever, but we as Christians should not be that way. Um, but we'll have problems if we try to fight against flesh and blood the way flesh and blood seems to be the way, you know, the way to fight them. We, we, we need to remember that we're fighting against principalities and powers um, of the evil one and that God is more powerful than that. So as kids grow up, share those stories in history like, you're, like you've talked. I mean, when, when you – so today, look at the feast days of, of the saints as those are opportunities to teach – too, to to read about the saint, and you may find one and 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 share with the kids, and and let, allow them to see what God's able to do with small people. I mean, Joan of Arc for for a woman, you know, is mm-hmm. a great you know place to start for you know being a strong woman the way God intends. A woman to be strong. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, Mary too is at the center. They're they're opposite ends of the spectrum, but both of them. And I think this goes back to something we've always talked about with our kids: unique and unrepeatable. All right, so you can have holiness. I'm not going to compare that, but you could t- you could have a nun like Mother Teresa of Calcutta, a saint, and and have Saint Joan of Arc, right? She's a saint, isn't she? Yes. Okay, so Saint Joan of Arc and and Saint Mother Teresa of Calcutta, and they're night and day from a human perspective, right? But from God's perspective, they're unique and unrepeatable because they trusted in God's grace. They allowed God's grace to raise them up, and they became who God created them to be. And so I think as parents, that's another thing we got to tell our children. You're not meant to be anybody else the way you glorify god is to become you and everything that diminishes that or takes away from that is you allowing stuff to get in the way but if you will surrender to god and his plan then you will become a saint by becoming who you were created to be mm-hmm. and not you're not trying to duplicate somebody else you're not trying to become Mother Teresa of Calcutta, but you are trying to become a person like her who gave her whole life and listened to the call of God. So anyway, hopefully those are helpful. But I think like you're, if you're, we need to be looking at, okay, where's our, where are our kids reminding them that God can work in their lives, that sometimes bad things are there or struggles are there or, or hurdles are there, not just to make it hard, but to actually God to bring something out of that and that whatever weakness we're trying to overcome, that it's, that it's actually not the ridding of the weakness, but sometimes, sometimes it is, but sometimes it's actually an acceptance of the weakness. And then God's going to use that weakness to show his power to overcome that. That's a Catholic view. That's a Christian view. There's no difference between Catholic and Christian, just by the way, I I, I throw it out there, but Mm -hmm. 
but but there is a real sense that matter matters that what we do in this life matters and as long as we do it so he says you can do nothing apart from me well i can i mean a sinner can go and do they can start a company but but you can do nothing of eternal value <laughs> if you're not united with him i mean we can do all kinds of things you can build the tower of babel i mean but it means nothing and accomplishes nothing if if we don't allow him to basically build us and live in and through us. So anyway, I, I hope that was helpful. Maybe not too rambly, but, but, um, but I, but I, I think trying to, as parents find stories and try to help bridge the gap between what does that mean for you as a child? What does that mean about that struggle that's occurring? And then always connecting it back and always giving hope and direction. The primary hope is God's got a plan for your life. And if you allow his grace to operate with you and you respond to it, you will become a great saint, a saint that this world needs. So I think that's good news. Yeah. Huh? I mean, you and I got some work to do mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with ourselves. <laughs> and like you, I think you were, you know, you're just saying, but to reiterate, you know, it's a great, adventure or goal to put in front of ourselves and in front of our children that, you know, that's why we're really on this earth. This is what exactly our family life is really about and dedicated to. Right. So anyway, y'all are awesome. Um, God bless you. And, and as we always say, I don't say it as well as my wife, but, um, (laughs) remember, uh, pray parent with a purpose and prepare for God to amaze you. And he will, no doubt. God bless you guys. Pray for us. We'll be praying for you. <laughs>